0: This is the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using Lifeways Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week we review the Bible passage for that week's study, we examine some questions teachers may face, and we give some teaching tips along the way. This fall we are studying the Gospel of Mark. I'm Amber Vaden, your host, and today I'm joined by Mike Livingston. Mike serves as an editor on our Explore the Bible team. He also leads a Bible study at his church using Explore the Bible and brings loads of knowledge to our discussion today. Mike, thank you for being here.
1: Yes, um, I'm back and happy to do this again. Thanks.
0: Today we will look at session seven, where we will study Mark chapter 9, verses 17 through 29. I'll just begin by sharing a little bit of an outline of what is happening in these verses, and then we will jump into some questions. Uh, in Mark chapter 9, verses 17 through 20, a man in the crowd addresses Jesus, explaining that the disciples were unable to help the man's son who was controlled by an evil spirit. Jesus decried the ongoing lack of faith of those present. And when the boy was brought to Jesus, the spirit immediately sent the boy into convulsions. In verses 21 through 24, Jesus inquired about how long the boy had experienced these convulsions. And the father explained that it had been going on since childhood and that the demon's attacks also included throwing the boy into water and fire in an attempt to destroy him. The father asked Jesus to help if he could. Jesus questioned the man's faith. The man responded by declaring his belief all while asking Jesus to help him overcome his doubts and fears. And then in verses 25 through 29, a crowd began to gather and Jesus commanded the mute and deaf spirit to forever leave the boy. The unclean spirit sent the boy into one final convulsion before leaving him, and the son appeared lifeless. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him to his feet. Later, when the disciples asked why they were unable to heal the son, Jesus explained that some spirits come out only through prayer. Our overall summary statement for this whole session is Jesus strengthens our faith in him. Okay, so each week we ask some questions that perhaps uh, you, you come up with as you are preparing to study or questions that might be asked by your group members while you're in, while you're leading your Bible study. So we want to ask a few of those. Mike, what might keep someone from going to Jesus with a need?
1: Yeah, Amber, I think the greatest obstacle for a lot of people is pride. It's just simply pride.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and
1: I think pride, what pride does is it, it blinds us to the reality of the problem and it binds us to inadequate temporal solutions to those problems. You know, you remember James, uh, James four, six says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble and says Mm -hmm. what that's saying is that pride is the obstacle that stands in the way of us experiencing God's grace. But, uh, the other side of that is that the way to experience his grace is through humility. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: so, you know, God, God doesn't help those who help themselves. He helps those who recognize their need and who are willing to confess to him. I need you. I can't fix this. I can't fix my child. I can't fix my family. I can't. Only you can. And this father went to Jesus because he recognized his need. He recognized that he could not fix his son, but he believed Jesus could. And, And the outcome of that was that he experienced what only Jesus could do. Mm hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I think we have to get to a point of where we know we can't do it. Uh, we just have to reach that point, which mm-hmm. it, it, it just like you said, just takes a lack of pride. Why do you think Mark included the fact that the yeah. disciples were unable to cast out the demon?
1: I'm glad for the fact that the, that the gospels show us the flaws of the disciples.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm glad because otherwise we wouldn't be able to identify with them because we are all flawed
0: Yeah,
1: and we're flawed in the same ways that they were. And, and by the way, when Jesus asked them, when he came down from the Mount of Transfiguration and saw all that was going on and he asked the disciples, what are you arguing with them about? The father of this demon possessed boy stepped Forward and, and said, "Teacher, I brought my son to you." He brought his son to Jesus. Jesus wasn't there yep. at, at at that moment. Okay, just, I'm saying this just as a reminder for for all of those, uh, for all of us who teach um, our Bible study groups, Sunday school classes. That we we need to remember that that the people who come to our class on Sunday ultimately need the help of Jesus. They're not coming. us they're coming to jesus Mm -hmm. hopefully anyway jesus is the one they need and you and i are not the ultimate answer or solution to the people's deepest problems jesus is Mm -hmm. but uh, back to to your question um their failure the disciples failure to be able to help this father and his son points us to several things i think one thing it points us to is the fact that spiritual victories in the past are no guarantee that we're going to be victorious today. Cuz if you think back, you know, just go back a few chapters in chapter 6 of Mark and you can read about how Jesus sent the disciples out in pairs and gave them authority over unclean spirits and they were driving out many demons. But they couldn't, you know, just take for granted that 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 was going to be repeated routinely mm-hmm. and automatically. Yeah. Uh, it, it would not come about by their own efforts, uh, like Jesus taught them later. You, apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, so just because they they experienced some victories in the past, it didn't doesn't mean or didn't mean that that those same the same kinds of victory was going to come routinely for mm-hmm. them or easily for them. I think a second thing is that there's always going to be people who are quick to point point out our failures, and if you you know I mean. Because the, the Father said, well, I asked your disciples to drive it out, and they couldn't. Uh, yeah, and if you're in ministry, if you're in leadership in, in any form, uh, shape, or fashion, you, you already know this, that people are, go- are going to be quick to point it out uh, to us when we fail. Um, but I think here's another thing that I think is most important in this conversation is that our failures can be a learning opportunity source. They they provide opportunities to grow, and and to their credit, you see that in the disciples that they wanted to learn from their failures, because after it says after um, they'd gone into the house, uh, Jesus the disciples asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we drive it out? Yeah. Why why could we not do this? So, to their credit, they wanted to know what what was the problem. Failure is not always a bad thing when it becomes a teaching moment for us and, and we learn from it. I, I think we can learn, what we can learn from their failure is that the battle with Satan is an ongoing and difficult one for us. we shouldn't take lightly. And and secondly, that you and I are not the ultimate answer to the problems that the people in our classes are bringing with them on Sunday. Jesus is the ultimate answer for
0: that. Gosh, that's a good reminder. That's a really good reminder. Yeah. Uh, so in verse... Um, In verse 24, and this is the the boy's father speaking, he says to Jesus, I do believe, help my unbelief. Uh, How should we handle doubt, and is it a sin to doubt?
1: That's a good question. Um, Even people of faith struggle with doubts. I mean, you don't have to look very far. You don't have to look in the Bible very much to, to see that. Even the pages of Scripture are great men and women of faith struggle with doubt, like throw out a few examples, Abraham and Sarah, Mm -hmm. who struggled to believe God's promise to them. And they struggled to believe that God was really going to do this or good. He could. uh, And they even laughed about it. And then, you know, others like, you know, Moses who struggled to believe, um, That God could use him. You know, what what if what if they don't listen to me? What if you know they don't believe me when I when I go, you know, to Pharaoh or you know, Gideon in Judges six, when the Midianites attacked Israel, uh Gideon began to question, he said and says, If the Lord is with us, why has this happened to us? I mean, there's some real struggles there. Why why has this happened if God is really with us? Yeah. And then when God told Gideon, You're the man who's going to lead my people against the Midianites, again, he questioned God. He said, look, my family's the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the youngest in my family, and surely you've got the wrong person. Um, in the New Testament, you think of examples like John the Baptist. When he was put in prison, he began to question if Jesus was really the Messiah. Yeah. Are you the one, or should should we be looking for someone else, even John the Baptist? Or, of course, the most, you know, I always think of Thomas, and it wasn't <laughs> yeah. Long ago, I mean, wasn't that long ago? We were studying Thomas when we were in uh, in the spring. When we were in John, most famous doubter in all of Scripture, he said, "I'm not going to believe until I can see and touch, you know, the the nail prints from from myself." But I, you know, Thomas always gets a bad rap because uh, he wasn't asking for anything that other disciples didn't already have. They had already seen the evidence that he was asking for, so we shouldn't fault him. Back to this father there here in Mark, um, help my, I believe, help my unbelief. When you look at the Greek um, text, the Greek uh, verse 24, what you notice there is that the little pronoun my is in, in an emphatic position. It's emphasized. He's emphasizing my unbelief in the, the in the normal word order in Greek, the, the usual way you would say it is, is that the pronoun my would follow the noun it's attached to. It would come after unbelief. So in Greek, it, literally, it would normally be the unbelief of me is how the Greek would normally say it. But here the my is moved forward. And in Greek, that is just a way of making something emphatic. It's a way of emphasizing something. So he is emphasizing here, he's recognizing his own liability, his own culpability in his lack of faith and crying out for help. Help me have the faith to trust you as I should. Mm -hmm. And I love his honesty. The first step in dealing with our doubts is just confess it to God, just like he did. Just confess it because God knows it already. We're not telling God something He doesn't know.
0: Yeah.
1: The issue. The issue is never are we are we going to struggle with doubt? That's not the issue. The issue is what are we going to do with it?
0: Yeah.
1: Is it going to drive us away from God or drive us to Him? Well, mm-hmm. we just have to be honest with our doubts and our our uncertainties, and and then let those uncertainties drive us deeper into His Word. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. I, I mention I mention one other thing that I think is is helpful is in the in the early in the first few verses of the Gospel of Luke, mm-hmm. Luke explains why he wrote his gospel. He's writing his gospel to um, he's addressing Theophilus, and he says to Theophilus, "I'm writing this so that you can know with certainty the things about which you have been instructed. Mm-hmm. I'm writing so that you can have certainty." Yes. We don't know what his uncertainties were. We don't know what he was. Theophilus was struggling with specifically, but how did God deal with Theophilus, Theophilus's uncertainties? He gave him the Word. Yeah, he gave him the Word. So let let those uncertainties drive you to the Word.
0: I like that. That is a that is great instruction and. And you know, you mentioned Thomas. Even Jesus's response to Thomas when he did see him—that should only encourage us, because he didn't respond with—he um, yeah. wasn't upset with Thomas. He, he was like, "Here, okay, touch right here." <laughs> so he he responded oh, yeah. to what he yeah. was asking. Yeah.
1: And and I hope our groups, I hope our Sunday school classes and our Bible study groups can be safe places where people are are feel comfortable sharing their doubts and struggles. They they need to be. That's mm-hmm. that's what our group need to be. People need to be able to share that. And like, you know, talking about Thomas still, like he was able to say to to the other disciples in that in that room that day, listen, guys, I am not where you are. Yeah. Yet. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not there yet. I, I, I hope I get to where you are and, and I, I I have the, the faith that you have, but listen, right now I'm not there. Yeah. And, and that's, that's our groups need to be, you know, places like that where, where people can say, you know what, I, I'm not, I'm not where you are. Yeah. Uh, hopefully I'll get there, with, you know, with, but I'm not there yet.
0: I really like that. It just takes some honesty and a little vulnerability, which may feel uncomfortable at first. Um, yeah. But as leaders, I think leaders can really set the tone for how questions get responded to. A leader can, a leader can set that's that tone. Brilliant. Uh, OK, uh, last question. Do Jesus's words in verse 23 mean that we can get anything we want if we have enough faith?
1: Well, absolutely not. Um, mm-hmm. To approach prayer as is nothing more than a tool to get what you want or or to pray or to pray only when you need something. Right. Is the epitome of self-centeredness. I mean, you know, looking at the, our passage here, Jesus prefaces um, what he says here by, by uh, first of all, he quotes what the Father said to him. The, the Father said to Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on us. And then Jesus uh, kind of quotes what the Father just said. He says in verse 23, if you can, yes. quoting the Father, what you mean, What do you mean, if I can? Yeah, And then he he follows that up with saying everything is possible for the one who believes. And so what the implied uh, statement there is that Jesus's ability is never the problem. Human unbelief is the problem.
0: Exactly. So so
1: a person who has faith doesn't set limits on what Jesus is able to do.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But neither does a person of faith make demands of God or presume upon God that God will or must answer our prayers in a certain way rather a a person of faith seeks first and submits to the will of god that's that you know the the promise of scripture you see it in like uh, different places but like first john 5 14 it says if we ask anything according to his will he hears us that the condition there you know whether whether stated or implied the condition in scripture, is that God answers prayers prayed according to his will. Well, what does it mean yeah. to pray according to his will? It means we, we're praying for the things the Bible clearly reveals God's will to be. And and we're praying for things that honor and glorify God. Um, <clears throat> you know, B- Billy Graham once said we, we should not pray for God to be on our side, but pray that we'll be on God's side. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, it's, uh, that kind of speaks to, to this, you know, what, what prayers, you know, the purpose of prayer, what it's for, it's not for bending God's will to ours, but it's more for subordinating our will to his.
0: Gosh, that's good. I, I just feel like that's one of the verses in this passage that could easily be misunderstood or, or just not fully understood. So thank you. That's a good, that's a good explanation. Uh, Okay, so every week we try to highlight a pack item, maybe the Bible skill or the key doctrine, just to um, shed some light on it, encourage you uh, to consider spending some time on it in your group time. Uh, This week we do have a great pack item, pack item number 10, and it is a handout. It's a chart that that lists miracles of Jesus uh, found in the Gospel of Mark, Um, and it's really Uh, It is really a helpful little snapshot. Um, We know Jesus performed a variety of miracles, and Mark's gospel records many of those. Uh, And the thing is that these miracles, they demonstrated Jesus's power in a special way and specifically emphasized in in this gospel, it emphasized his authority as God the Son. And so this chart uh, is just a really good little, little listing of several miracles and what what it shows Jesus' authority over, whether it was nature, whether it was physical illness. It just shows all of the ways that he has authority. Before we go, let me remind you about Extra. Each week, we identify a current news event and describe a way of using that news story to introduce and conclude the group time. These teaching ideas are free, and you can find them on Explore the Bible website uh, by typing into your web browser, goexplorethebible.com, forward slash leader extras. Mike, thank you for being here today.
1: You're most welcome.
0: We're glad to have you. Next week, we will discuss Mark chapter 10. Bob Bunn will be our guest host. He's an editor on our Explore the Bible team and a frequent guest. You won't want to miss it.